welcome back to Educate, the alternative classroom experience, brought to you by me. I'm Katie Conn, and, you know, I'm just going to be a teacher for today. So strap in, folks, because we're going to be talking all about mental health, because I'm sure all of you are aware it is Mental Health Awareness Week. So this is a week of the year where companies and people speak quite openly about mental health issues and basically bring awareness to it. So full on disclosure, I guess, um, I have OCD. It's a bit of an annoying one, let's be, let's be honest. So I just, I find it really quite difficult to sort of explain what it is. So I was like, you know what, I can't, uh, you know, ask my audience to send me in what they think about mental health and what they do with their mental health to sort of combat it and how what their relationship is like with their own mental health. Um, and everyone sent me such beautiful responses that I'm going to read out that I thought, come on, Kate, like, just give it a go and write something down about your mental health. So with, you know, trying to avoid wittering on, I'm just going to read you something that I wrote earlier. I live with OCD and I've been managing it for as long as I can really remember. I've definitely seen it evolve over time from the trivial, you know, saying I love you infinity to my parents, because I was worried that if I didn't say that, that something bad would happen to them, to the assurance seeking behaviours that dominate my life even today, and the feelings of defeat and anxiety, the constant checking that I've done something correctly, that makes doing things quickly, um, sometimes just like a bit of a task, the fear of kind of getting things wrong and there being some unknown disastrous consequence to my actions. So I struggle to talk about my OCD because sometimes you just get really dark thoughts or just general feelings of underlying anxiety that you can't really quantify. Um, and then some of the thoughts and feelings are hard enough to confront yourself with, let alone, you know, delivering them and saying them out loud and telling, you know, the world your problems or your feelings. And, you know, a big part of my OCD which is actually quite annoying is that you know the the phrase a problem shared is a problem halved or you know but for me um, a problem shared often isn't a problem halved because admitting and assurance seeking feeds into OCD behaviours and then it ultimately contributes to the cycle of OCD. I am quite happy to talk about the fact that I do live with a mental health issue or illness or whatever we call it um and I am an open person, I'd like to think. Probably overshare too much. Um, thankfully, I don't do it too much on this podcast, but certainly in my personal life. Um, but talking about the ins and outs of my OCD just isn't my bag. Um get a bit anxious, really. Um, so I can always tell when my OCD's up because I sort of get this, like, probably sounds a bit gross, but just, like, low-level sweating. <laughs> I just feel like I'm constantly on the edge. Um, I'm just like worrying about something bad happening. Um, I can kind of explain that it's almost just like a like a leech <laughs> or just like a really irritating person sitting on your brain and just like picking and choosing about what you want to worry about next. Sort of even when you haven't finished one worry, you're looking towards the next one. Um, it kind of sucks, really. You know, sometimes worrying does make me thorough at some things and thinking about things and. It does make me um, quite a sensitive person. Um, but on the flip side of that, it also makes me feel like absolute shite and unworthy of success and all of those things. 
you know, it'll always be a a, a low-level battle in my head. Um, but I wouldn't be me without the bastard. So I think it looks like it will be sticking with me for the foreseeable. But yeah, OCD sucks. <laughs> um, and it's hard to make a song and dance about it, really. But I've sort of had the pleasure of... Um, of my audience, my lovely educate audience, talking to me about their own experiences with mental health. And something I absolutely adore um, since starting Educate is how interactive the audience are. And it makes me so happy that I'm able to share their testimonies and their experiences in this podcast episode. So one of my lovely audience members said this about mental health. There's a theory in psychology which labels a child either an orchid, sensitive, or a dandelion, resilient. In other words, some people are able to thrive in bad circumstances, whereas others are like orchids and are much more sensitive. Classic psychology student quoting this theory. Haha, <laughs> lol. This one's always stuck with me, and I think understanding that everyone is innately different and has different triggers is so, so important in understanding mental health. You cannot judge someone as you simply do not know what is happening in their lives or how it is being processed in their brains. But also more importantly, with the orchid dandelion thing, that everyone can thrive. Even though I know that I'm an orchid, I appreciate that I have to be extra sensitive towards my mental health and make sure to stay alert, i.e. know my triggers. For example, something which really swings me from one end of the continuum to the other is work. Obviously, the emergence of modern technology, such as smartphones, has drastically transformed our professional lives, and as such, it can be really tricky to create concrete boundaries. I know that I really struggle, even more so at the moment, because we can't even draw concrete boundaries in our own homes. But acknowledging this, and taking control of the factors which I know affect me, makes me feel very powerful and in control of my own health. So to sum up, mental health to me means accepting myself and my needs but even more importantly, being compassionate towards others. I think especially at the moment, we need to know that we're in this together and a huge amount of the factors affecting me are situational. So I just, I really, really loved receiving that message. Um, it really, really made me smile. I think it's definitely difficult when you're in isolation and, you know, you are an orchid and you are quite a sensitive person. I think it's really, really hard to kind of blur those those boundaries. Um, you know, you don't have your work sphere, your physical work sphere, and your, um, you know, your your home sphere that is solely for living or just you know living your best life. It's really difficult. Um, and I think it's very if you're quite a diligent person and you know you take your career fairly seriously, it's really hard to you know establish that distinction in between those two spheres so I totally totally feel you there um thanks so much for sending that over I think that was gorgeously put so another fab testimony I find I can talk about mental health with friends etc but the hardest thing is work and especially calling in sick for work because of mental health. It doesn't matter that I know it's a completely valid reason and that I've studied mental health and done training days with charities. Calling in sick for that reason is terrifying, and that's with an employer that are understanding and have put in multiple provisions to help with it. Mental health at work is very dependent on your company. 
managers and colleagues. But even when there's good support, things can still be very difficult due to years of stigma and the feeling of it not being a valid reason. Oh, my heart goes out to you. My, my heart really does go out to you. Um, it's incredibly brave that, you know, you can recognise this factor and it sounds like you are the perfect person to be doing the job that you do. Somebody that personally has experiences with mental health issues and somebody that's also allowing that brilliant knowledge and understanding to kind of carry through in your own work. I think that's really amazing. And I think the fact that even you find it very difficult to call in sick because of mental health in itself in a company that is entirely devoted towards destigmatizing mental health and, and tackling the issues. Um, I think that's really, really brave of you to say. It, it really shows that, you know, there's still a massive stigma and I guess shame associated with it that we do really need to learn to shake. So thank you so much and I hope that you're well. So on to my lovely next testimony. My mental health is something I now consider as a fundamental aspect of who I am, but also a companion that follows me through life's twists and turns and unforeseen events, which results in it evolving and twisting and turning and taking a different shape each month, week, day of my life, which is something I am now finally at peace with. It's a part of me rather than an externally caused concept, as was always portrayed throughout my teenage and early adult years. I feel like my mental health and I evolve, change and grow together. In terms of managing it, it seems obvious, but exercise and fresh air, speaking to friends on the phone or via video, particularly at present. Sometimes mental health can also mean that we don't quite feel our best selves, but taking time to reflect means you know things will get better. Bad days will pass. Sometimes I go to those I admire or relate to for a reminder that I'm not alone. Thank you ever so much for that. I think it's really important at the moment that we all really look after each other. I mean, it's a very simple thing to say, I think, but I think checking in with your pals and your loved ones really, really does give you that kind of emotional support that human beings crave. Um, and these are exceptional times where we're not with each other <laughs> physically um, and it's it's totally new. Um, and I think as well, like I definitely struggle with the fact that, you know, you're seeing your friends on a screen. Um, but I mean, I definitely think that it's kind of, it's just not the same, is it? Um, but I think, you know, it's amazing that we have that. And I'm so pleased that you're using that to help with your mental health. I think it's great that that is really, you know, helping you at the moment, which is brilliant. I think it's, I think it's really, really beautiful that you've sort of accepted that your mental health is inextricably linked with yourself. And I just think that's a lovely way of putting it. Um, the way in which you framed that made it feel like, you know, you're kind of at peace with it, which is something that I really, really aspire to have myself at some point. Um, so very proud of you, lovely listener. <music> A constant battle. To me, it's the attempt to focus and celebrate the positive achievements and the attempt to not let the negative thoughts bring you to a standstill. And it's managed by a ton of exercise and more recently, talking to people about it. Well, I just want to say a major, 
amount of congrats for actually talking to people about it. Um, it sounds like recently that is something that you've been doing. So well done. I think that's a big part of it, talking to people about mental health. Allowing yourself to not allow negative thoughts to stop you in your tracks, I think, is a very, very powerful thing. Um, certainly something that I, <laughs> I definitely don't think I could do. I have a negative thought and I'm sat just stewing over it for hours. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And finally, our lovely testimony that's come in. I think even though there's been progress in terms of society's acceptance of mental health as a thing, I think the fact that, for example, in the UK, constant cuts are being made in mental health services in hospitals, unis, etc., just shows that we've got a long way to go when it comes to addressing mental health as a real issue to be tackled, accepted and dealt with. I think also in certain cultures, such as ethnic minorities, there's still little acceptance of what mental health as a legitimate problem and is often overlooked or trivialised as a Western thing or white people problem. To suggest mental health is something of a social construct created by the Western world, white people, and therefore indulging in such tasks concerning mental health would be submitting to the master's system, ways of functioning in life. Mental health to me, though, is about creating that safe space to feel and permitting not only those around you, but yourself to feel certain emotions as and when you feel them without judgment and then learning how to manage those emotions healthily so you're able to feel them fully, but also not allow them to take over or lead you to destructive behaviour patterns. I think that's just so um, important and really interesting to hear your perspective on that. You know, I am a white middle-class woman. Um, that is what I am, I guess. And I think, you know, I, I didn't even really think that I just didn't have that perspective that mental health is trivialised as a Western thing or a white people problem. Um, and I think that's really interesting that you flag that um, from your own cultural perspective because I would never have actually thought about that. Um, so I think that's really, really interesting and important to acknowledge. I really hope that that can change, those perceptions of it can change within your community. Um, and it sounds like you're doing such an amazing job in accepting mental health um, for yourself and acknowledging that and giving it airtime. And I think well done for doing that because it's always tricky having to voice things that feel slightly taboo or, you know, isn't what necessarily should be spoken about. So so massively, you know, I'm very in awe of, very in awe of you. Um, thanks ever so much for sharing your insight on that and I think it's it's great to know that you know you have your own system of learning how to manage your emotions um, in a healthy and effective manner I think that's great so thank you so much it's been absolutely heartwarming to be you know responsible for looking after your words and delivering them to this lovely podcast audience um it's so lovely to know that there's a safe space um on the platform for sharing your thoughts and your insights um on topics that do affect all of us and i just want to say a really i'm really really grateful that you wrote in and allowed me to deliver those stories because 
I just think that fills my wee heart with joy. Um, so I just want to say as well, one of the questions I asked you all on educate underscore podcast on Instagram, plugging it there. Good gosh. Um, but one of the questions that I asked was, what are the songs that you generally listen to when you're feeling like your mental health's a bit rubbish? And I loved the suggestions. Um, you know, we had Beyonce, we had Natasha Bedingfield, we had like meditation music, and then we also had Fight Song. This is my fight song. I love it. Truly, I just think it would be an absolute disservice to all of you if I left this podcast without playing some Natasha Bedingfield. Number one, what happened to her? Number two, what an icon. And number three, I want to have your babies is such a fabulous song and I won't hear a bad word said about it. Fact, not fiction. Right, I'm going to stop now. But to sum up, mental health is, uh, I mean, it is rubbish sometimes, isn't it? When your mental health is poorly affected and grim, it is some of the loneliest and most uncomfortable feelings that you will ever encompass or experience. So I hope that if you are struggling at the moment, that you are really seeking to cut yourself a break and you're seeking comfort in, you know, your friends, family, or just generally the things that make you happy. Things will be definitely exacerbated at the moment, especially with the current situation of COVID, that old thing. Um, but I'm sending lots of love and my DMs are always open. So sending love, my lovely Educate audience, and I'll speak to you next time on Educate. Please,